0: That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Well, 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 would you look at that? I actually listened. Quick shout out to every single teacher I had in school. By the way, you were wrong. Turns out I actually can do it. You were just incredibly boring. Yes here we are the USS Voyager Starfleet's unluckiest vessel that then did provide us with seven seasons worth of entertainment out of one solitary slice of bad luck. Now it was of course a design that turned a lot of heads back in 1995. We all expected Star Trek to be new and big and exciting and then we got this ship which was like half the size of the Enterprise D and all sleek and bullet-like and not at all like the Star Trek ships we were used to. A lot of people I presume didn't like it but it is Gorgeous. And being far more aware of the perils of television production, the show's producers instead decided not to fill it full of random exciting things that they might never get a chance to show on screen and instead make it small and compact and efficient and any new ideas they had, and then the budget to go with them, could come along later. But still, but still, if you pour through all the technical schematics and the writer's room bible like our website writers have done there were a number of things in there that we just did not realize about this wonderful wonderful little vessel so you asked this is me delivering because my name is adam cleary and these are 10 secrets of the uss voyager you need to know number 10 the aero shuttle Gonna start here with the exact same place I started for the Enterprise-D. Do you remember when you watched Insurrection? you thought, oh, a Captain's Jot, a mini ship built into the ship? Wouldn't that be a great idea for a long-running television series? Well, not only was the Captain's Jot a part of the Enterprise-D, but Voyager actually had one of these, a really cool version of these, built into the bottom of its hull. It was called the Aero Shuttle. It was... It was there, they wrote about it, they talked about it, they even filmed concept shots for it, but you never saw it on the show. It's actually insane, this, because of all the shuttlecraft scenes we got, all the shuttlecrafts we saw get destroyed, then the whole subplot of the Delta Flyer, them designing this separate ship and doing all of that, when this was literally there, this gorgeous little mini craft was actually there the entire time, it's just bizarre. And there shouldn't have even been any specific production reasons that stopped them doing it because it was designed to look like the front of a Danube class runabout from Deep Space Nine thus meaning they could just reuse the sets they used for those. It was there, it was built, it was designed, it was rendered in lovely VFX. They had the props, they had the sets and they just didn't use it. Number nine, the Intrepid class. Now, despite the USS Intrepid getting a mention in Star Trek Voyager, Voyager itself was the first Intrepid-class vessel we ever saw, and one of only two that ever made it into Star Trek. But as well as that, though, there was, and I absolutely cannot believe I'm going to attempt to do this sentence without a visual aid, the USS Bellerophon from the Deep Space Nine episode, Inter-Armor-MN-Silent-Legas. legas inter inter Armour si- inter emmet legas silent inter le- The one where Bashir and Section 31 are the Romulans. Anyway, yes, that episode did completely repurpose all of Voyager's sets to have Bashir whisked away from the station on a vessel. It was just Voyager, even though it was meant to be a different Intrepid class ship, it even had Neelix's kitchen! Just take that out. Now, while Voyager didn't make it into any other Star Trek series, it was weirdly in the trailer for Star Trek First Contact firing on a ball cube. Now, these were not scenes that were used in any other element of Voyager. They were pretty much constructed entirely for this trailer because apparently at the time, they hadn't finished the VFX works for First Contact. So just threw that in. Just gonna hold my hand up here. Little, tiny, juvenile, young me saw that and thought Voyager was in First Contact and got really bummed out when Voyager wasn't in first contact. Number eight, the environmentally friendly warp drive. All right, it's one of my absolute favorite things about both the design of this ship and the lore of Star Trek as a whole. Didn't you think it was cool when Voyager's warp nacelles would go and then it would go into warp speed that wasn't just a weird design choice in the star trek the next generation episode forces of nature is revealed that use of warp travel is destroying the fabric of space-time so starfleet puts a limit on ever going above warp 5 because they're trying to save the galaxy because you would but the thing is despite mentioning these warp speed limits in two subsequent episodes it kind of just got dropped at a random point in time and you never heard about them again that is because even though they didn't explore this in the show developments were made strides were made forward in more environmentally friendly warp drives. And these variable geometry pylons were supposed to be the workaround for that. Basically, the writers realised they had written themselves into a stupid corner, nobody can go above warp 5, and we're going to have a starship stranded on the other side of the galaxy. Godoy, that's not going to work. So they came up with this idea that they would have a more environmentally friendly warp drive, something to do with how the warp bubble wraps around the ship. Basically, it just doesn't destroy space as it travels through it. There's a reason for it. Number seven, the holodecks are independent. Now, this is a plot contrivance. If I've ever heard of a plot contrivance, and point of order, being a big old Star Trek fan, I've heard lots of plot contrivances, but Voyager's holodecks were entirely separate from the rest of the ship. They had their own power source. Yeah, for reasons known only to the writers, they decided to make the ship run on one source of power, but the holodecks to run on another so even if primary and secondary systems were to fail and they weren't able to reroute power through the auxiliary manifolds etc etc the crew could still go and play captain planet or have a drink at that nice french restaurant they liked or make out with cows in Fairhaven, which happened actually i'm saying that i know exactly why they did this it was so they could have crises happening on the ship while people were in the holodecks completely unaware of it. Uh, There are more logical ways to do that, but this is what they went with. Number six, Voyager has a brain. Now again, this was something that was only mentioned in passing in one or two episodes, which should have been a far bigger element of the narrative. Starfleet vessels had been for many, many years equipped with isolinear circuitry, which was an incredibly, incredibly advanced way of circuits linking to each other and information being passed in. Basically kind of the same thing we have with computer chips now, but just really good computer chips. However, the thing about computer chips is they are designed to replicate what goes on in the human brain with synapses firing and whatnot, but they are of course not as good as the human brain because the human brain is an organ designed to do that and works on the molecular level. And so in what was a pretty natural evolution in technology, they decided to make this circuitry run like an organic Lifeform, thus they had these bio-neural gel packs which were responsible for transferring data across the ship and could do it, in theory, as quick as a brain could. Now, of course, the only problem with that is, what is the problem with a brain compared to a computer full of chips? You can get headaches and your brain can break down and sometimes you can just be staring at the same screen for too long and it can hurt. So, Voyager had loads and loads of problems with its computer getting sick. So over the course of the show, these gel packs, they got a virus, they got poisoned and my personal favourite, they got a fever one time so they had to heat Voyager up to effectively boil it off. Technology! Number 5, Voyager of Borg. Yes, by the time Voyager returned to the Alpha Quadrant, it was, yes, still the same robust vessel Starfleet had sent off into the Badlands that time, but it also came back very much a product of the Delta Quadrant because it was, in large parts, actually Borg. In Scorpion Part 2, when Seven of Nine comes aboard, she basically installs loads of Borg augments to the inside and the outside of the ship to make it more... Efficient. Now of course the crew do attempt to get rid of all that once they've got rid of all the Borg. Minus seven. But the problem with Borg stuff is the Borg stuff's really good. Upon discovering that a lot of the ship's components were actually working slightly better with the Borg components still installed, Janeway ordered they be left in place. Balonatora, she hated this. She would repeatedly refer to these changes as Borg garbage, but then of course when they went to build the Delta Flyer, what did they use? Largely Borg components. And just Not for me to tell Captain Janeway how to run her ship. I have zero track record of ever returning something from the other side of the galaxy, but it was just me, given that Borg stuff replicates and takes over your face and bursts out your skin, I'd have got rid of all that. Just me. Number four, unlimited limited supplies. All right, here's a good stat this In Star Trek Voyager, they established they had only 38 photon torpedoes to last until they got back to the Alpha Quadrant. How many photon torpedoes, though, do you think they fired across those seven seasons? Anyone, any guesses, anybody? It's, it's an empty flat. The answer is 85. Now, all right, yes, you're sitting there going, Adam, resupplying does exist in this galaxy, in this far-flung future. Yes, I know, I'm just talking about the fact they said they had that many, they never visibly showed us restocking any of them or finding ways to create more, and yet they fired nearly three times what they had. Again, not my place to tell someone how to write a show, but I would have just, I would have addressed that personally. And also across those seven seasons, 10 different shuttlecraft were destroyed, as well as 15 others either being mentioned or damaged or just present, so that's at least 25 Shuttlecraft Voyager had. It's a small ship, I don't know where they put those. Again, not to be that guy, but even little, tiny Star Trek nerd me, when first watching the episode about the Delta Flyer, sat there and said out loud at the screen, but you've got loads of Shuttlecraft, because i have always been unbearable. Number three, two-ish warp cores. Twice on Star Trek Voyager, the warp core was either rejected or stolen or something and it left the ship dead in space, which is weird because they had a second warp core. According to this cutaway graphic, which was shown several million times during the course of the show, there is of course the primary warp core that's in engineering, but also further forward behind the deflector dish, this warp core which is a warp core and thus would have worked like a warp core if you're still not convinced this is the ejection port that we see the warp core leave the ship through and this is the second port for the second warp core because there was two now yes again all right if i was trying to get a crew all the way home from the other side of the galaxy and my primary warp core was stolen or damaged or nicked or just whatever, I probably wouldn't want to just leave it floating around in space. I probably would make the effort to go back and get it, but when I've got another one, I would use it instead of just floating there like an idiot. Number two, the engines could not handle the journey. All right, so you are a Star Trek Voyager fan, you are aware that in the first episode they enter the Badlands, the caretaker flings them all the way across the galaxy and they work out it is going to take 75 years to get home. Not true. It's 75 years to get home if from day one they went at maximum warp in a straight line all the way back to the Alpha Quadrant without ever stopping. I don't know if you've ever seen any episodes of Star Trek Voyager, but they stop a lot. They explore interesting space phenomena, they talk to new species, they end up getting into fights, they have their own adventures, they have their own dramas, their own romance, everything. In fact, very little of the series Star Trek Voyager is spent doing any actual voyaging. Now, yes, fair enough, the ship is probably not capable of sustaining maximum warp for nearly eight decades, but according to the show's producers, it was realistically going to take them between two and 400 years to get back to the Beta Quadrant, not even all the way back to Earth, just back into friendly space. That is, let's see, a lot of episodes. Number one, Voyager is the Enterprise. Well it's not, obviously it's not the, it's Voyager, it's not the Enterprise, but you know how there's a reality away from the show in which sets have to be made and things have to be built and whatnot. Well, Voyager is technically, in that regard, the Enterprise. Not the one that's full of cat though. Basically, Star Trek The Next Generation went off the air in 1994, and Star Trek Voyager began in 1995. Thus, Paramount found themselves with a load of Star Trek sets that weren't being used, and now had a big need for brand new Star Trek sets. Thus, they got their repurposing hats on and did some work. Now, the bridge of the Enterprise-D, that was destroyed completely, and the bridge for Voyager was created on the same set. They share no similarities. They were built from the ground up. However, sickbay, the transporter rooms, the crew quarters, and all the corridors, whilst being given a major facelift, were, just the exact same sets redressed and so too was engineering although that had a major major face if they added an entire second floor they brought in that you know like the cell area where Deanna Troy tried to fling herself that time they built that into Voyager's engine room they made it look completely different but it was the same set this is my absolute favorite one by the way those windows that Janeway spent so much time fixing all the ship's problems by just staring out of them 10 forward windows flipped upside down Yep. And as much as the Lord giveth, the Lord also taketh away because loads of the sets used in Star Trek Insurrection and Star Trek Nemesis were repurposed from Voyager. In fact, in First Contact, one of those best scenes where Robert Picardo is utilised as a doorstop, not a doctor. literally Voyager's sickbay.